0: Let's uh, let's kind of go through some of this for about go uh, you know, for about forty-five minutes or so, however long we want to, and then and then we will eat. Uh, now, I wanted to start then with with this. Isn't that great? We have our nativity scenes. And and if you and symbolically, if you look at the nativity scene, what what uh, what do you see, and what jumps out at you? The baby's always the the baby's in the center. Yeah, I I don't know that he always had a Santa Claus hat, but uh, okay. Okay, but the baby is always in the center, as it should be. What else? There's light, light involved with this. Yeah, what else? He's dressed in red. He is dressed in red. A nice touch. Animals. Yeah, there are animals involved. So you get this sense of animals somehow being involved in the in the birth of the Savior. What else? His mother is always looking at him. Yeah, mother is, is close, you know. And in fact, at the end of Luke 2, when it talks about that she kept all these things, pondered them in her heart, uh, you get a sense that she is in awe of what is going on here. And you know, I, I know with Cindy and certainly with a, a lot an awful lot of you, there is that first look between mother and child. There's like, here's this amazing thing, it came from me <laughs> and there it is. But it's beautiful. Even though they look like they've been through the war. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> they look like an alien. Okay, yeah. So of um, the people um quite European. <laughs> yes. Do you think they would have looked that way? No. Um, we are, our, our conception of all of this is always based, at, as it is with church history, we're looking at it through the eyes of the artists. And they're, they're, they weren't always looking to do it historically accurately, Church history, as well as this, but uh, obviously a lot of the artists were European. The Dutch artists were really prominent. Um, so, and and um, a lot of them were uh, the paintings we have were commissioned by by kings and princes and of countries. Uh, so, whenever you go to to Rome or you're going to France or you're going in the old churches, you see. Paintings and that that shapes our view. Now, I have to tell you, though, of the nativity scene, I I love our nativity scenes, I think we should keep our nativity scenes, even though we have some sense that says, okay, this isn't really that accurate at certain points, we're not sure which parts are not accurate, but we keep these things, because of the symbolism that teaches us with a single look, we can say, here's this child born in a very lowly place, surrounded by loving adults adoring adults in a very humble circumstance and i I think that is uh so whatever else we talk about today let's keep our nativity scenes and let's love our nativity scenes Uh, because i think they're wonderful and they teach us symbolically in a second all of the most important messages that, that come with this okay all right well, that said, then, let, let, me add some, let me add some historical things to the story of Bethlehem that maybe make all of these things even just a little bit more poignant, okay? So let me, let me uh, start by telling a story. Um, the story is going to start about uh, a century and a half before the birth of the Savior, Uh, at this point um, the uh, the Palestine is ruled by the Greeks Uh, they have conquered under Alexander the Great have have been for a couple hundred years Um, one of the the uh, those placed in charge of Palestine was uh, a particularly ruthless guy by the name of Antiochus the fourth or Antiochus kind of a jerk and and he decided, unlike the Greeks, the Greeks wanted to infuse their culture into everything, and they did that. Antiochus said, "I will force it down their throats, and I will force them to do it." So he brought in another altar into the temple, uh, above the temple of uh, sacrifice, or the altar of sacrifice. Um, and in each one of the little towns, he was forcing them to accept. Uh, mythology and idol worship that was Antiochus okay well he pushes finally the wrong group the wrong family and 160 BC we get the rising up of uh, the Jews we get the Jewish revolt under under the head of Judas Maccabees okay Uh, uh, and the Hasmonean family or the Hasmoneans and they rise up and this little Jewish army rises up as like guerrillas and stuff like that. And they manage to overthrow the mighty Greeks. About 160. Now, that means that for the first time in centuries since King David, about 700 BC, they, the Jews now run the, the whole area of Palestine. And they're more Jewish now since they came out of exile out of Babylon. There were tribes of Israel. Remember the 10 tribes have been scrubbed off and gone. So it's really mainly Judah and some Benjamin. uh, They're now in charge of all this, okay? Now, so Jerusalem obviously is the capital in Judah. But all of this area up here in the north has now pretty been scrubbed off of people. Ten tribes have been hauled off. Archaeologists now kind of believe that what happened for for the, the people down here in Judah, they said, let's create a kingdom like David's. That would be wonderful. So we're going to, we want to expand the Davidic rule. Uh, and, the, and the Davidic plan. So, so what they do is we're going to take families down here in Judah with land holdings down here and let's have you go up to the north. By the way, it's actually better, oftentimes it's better farming land in the, in the north Galilee than it is down in the Judean hills. Let's do that. So a number of families with land ownings down here then move up in here Including the, the little town of uh, Bethlehem. Or the little town of Nazareth. So now we get... So, so, so even though they have land holdings in Judah, they're now settling the North Galilee. And, and now so we get a couple of centuries, or about a century and a half later, uh, probably the, the uh, Joseph and Miriam... Mary uh, are kind of the, maybe the grand, grandkids are the first ones that came from that land, from the land holdings down there. Okay? But that also means that both both Joseph, uh, who is, uh, his lineage goes back to King David uh, through uh, Nathan, I think, and, and Miriam, Mary, who is, whose lineage goes through uh, Solomon, and, uh, back to David. They're both there. And so now we get this, this moment then where uh, Luke is describing that it's, that it's Caesar Augustus that's going to send out a census because they need to do their taxing. Okay. Now, what is it that they're taxing? What's being taxed? their land their land which land ancestors land the ancestors land back in Judah right. that's what they're really being taxed on it's the it's the ancient land holdings I mean otherwise for Joseph and Mary they could go to the local tax office in Nazareth and take care of this thing if it was about their house in Nazareth it's not it's about they are the ancient landholders and have inheritance rights to lands in Judah and the Judean hills around Bethlehem because they go back to King David because remember, even if you hold land and you sold it to somebody else, then you get that jubilee year, seven years in, the land goes back to the original landholders. So they have rights to the land, so that's why it is. Now Now the, the decree goes out. Now, we don't think, we think Luke is, uh, whoever, whoever Luke is, and however he got his information, he's probably not completely accurate that it was Caesar Augustus, because that census is ten years earlier. But we think it would probably was Herod. Herod is going to copy the Jewish ways of doing things, and he's going to require the taxing. Okay? So what they're going to do then is... Um, whoops. Oh, that's the rise up of the Maccabees. Okay. So up here in Nazareth then uh, we would think that right about the time that this order by Herod that they want them to come down. At some point you've got to come down to the, and, and register your land so that we can know how, how many taxes to give you. There are about four or 500 people living in Nazareth at the time. It's still kind of, uh, kind of a settlement up there. It's not real big. Uh, now we tend to say that Joseph and his family were Carpenters. This is pretty authentic. Probably not. Probably not. Joseph wasn't a a carpenter in the sense that we would think carpenter. Okay? What was Nazareth? What was their big what was their big industry? it was a stone quarry they were they were they were carving out stone for buildings in uh, uh... caesarea in uh... in all of the buildups of the the roman cities they built on stone they built on marble and and nazareth was providing stone and expertise for the carving of stones out to the the roman settlements that were being built up Okay, So he was a carpenter in the sense that he would use wood and maybe some of his footings and stuff as he's he's laying stones out. But primarily he was a stonemason. Now by the way, if you picture Jesus as growing up among stonemasons, now listen to some of the words that he uses in his sermons. What does he call Peter? The rock. What does he refer to himself as? the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, and he's going to build a foundation you know, if you start listening to all of the the stone and rock things that he talks about, it becomes very obvious that he has his connections in stonemasonry okay okay, so so here we have so, so based on the stories that we have then um, Joseph is going to be able to uh, find a beautiful maiden among the, uh, the uh, other uh, Davidic uh, relationships that are out there and he's going to find Miriam Mary and, and he falls in love with her and they become engaged uh, now Picture the moment then when, when she's going to go off and she says to Joseph, uh, my, my aging relative down in Judea is, is having a baby and it's kind of a miracle. She's pretty old. I'm going to go down and help her with her pregnancy. Great. I'll see you in a, I'll see you in a few months. Okay. Then she's going to come back after a few months and the problem is now what? she is pregnant okay. now how's that going to go over in a small town of 400 we, th- we think and in- the more rural you get the more rigid the religiosity becomes mm-hmm. Uh, even though there's some idea that that uh Joseph's family might have been Sadducees, so connected to royalty, and more likely more Pharisee. And more Pharisee can be more rigid. And more rigid means if she's pregnant, she has dishonored you, she's dishonored your family. Uh, now, we don't know how this happened. Either she met a guy or or maybe she was attacked and assaulted by somebody. Don't know. But the reality is Is that when it comes to somebody who's going to dishonor a family like this the penalty would be death it's got to be a stoning okay now here's Joseph's response Matthew says um, after he's talked with her and, and imagine by the way for a second imagine that conversation I don't know whether Mary wanted to talk to him or whether she just hid herself in shame but she's starting out with all of this shame she can't be out there she's at risk and even if she does have a conversation with Joseph what's she gonna tell him I can't tell you I can't tell you what's happened And they didn't really believe in revelation or no. Nobody was seeing angels or anything like that. Right, right. Why would she be shameful? Because she's she knows she's dishonored his family because because in public she's pregnant and they're still engaged. They haven't. She knows. She knows this real story. Right. So she knows what it is, but for her to actually walk out to the out into the marketplace and out to the well to get water, the scorn heaped on her would have been tremendous. Especially when here's Joseph and she's saying to him, I can't tell you. Well why why? I can't tell you. Just trust me. <laughs> She everything's at risk for her everything's at risk I've always heard that she was really young She could have been fairly young she could have been 14 16 something like that a, I've heard he was older right? 30. W- w- One of the one of the the uh, mid uh, middle ages traditions that uh, in trying to somehow explain how this works and i think it was uh justinian uh, and then augustine jumped on on, over this and they say well you know joseph was much older and he had a wife by somebody else uh who died and so mary was really his second Wife, and so he had other kids, and and so we get all of these spinning of all of these stories, none of which come even close to being uh, anywhere scriptural. And in fact, as I'll show you in a second, there's actually a, uh, a layering of uh, the stories that we get from ancient papyri trying to write the Book of Luke, and the and the and the old, the 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 later. Well, there's different stories, even in the in the uh, records that they drew on to do the Book of Luke. May but I, may I ask, yeah. yeah. Um. You think Mary was raped or got involved with the guy? That's what they were thinking, that maybe he was raped or something. Who knows? What they were thinking? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, because they would have got, well, because the, the last thing they'd say, well, this is from God. They'd go, well, oh. she just, she went, we know those Judeans down there. Okay. <laughs> she she probably ones. fell in with somebody. Because even now, some religions, even if a girl is raped, like they, they'll still kill yes, yeah. and kill you're them. right in some religions they don't distinguish between somebody who was being promiscuous and somebody who was raped mm-hmm. you 're still going to be the one punished, so yeah, you're right there's good possibility on that, but I wanted to give you an idea too um, so here's Joseph uh, but but Matthew says, and well, he thought on these things, and there's the Greek word. Uh, behold the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream saying Joseph thou son of David fear not to take uh, there, marry thy wife for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost um, I want to point out that this, that this phrase right here he thought on these things and again there's the Greek word that root word there th- uh, Thymio. The better translation in the Greek is, he was fuming. He was angry. This, another time that this, this word, uh, uh, thymeo, is used when they get ready to throw Jesus off, off the rock quarry when he comes back to Nazareth and preaches in the synagogue. And he says, this day is it now heard in your ears. In other words, I'm the Messiah. And they rise up in a rage to throw him off the, sto- the stone quarry same word by luke so uh, there was always a bit of a sense with joseph especially as you get to the king james committee that's writing the king james version it seems a little unseemly to say first of all joseph was mad and then to say that he was mad at the virgin mary (laughs) seems a little unseemly but wouldn't that make perfect sense for somebody that feels like they've been dishonored? Or at least, at the very least, betrayed. I thought she was somebody different. For her to do this to me, now I'm going to feel betrayal and anger. And embarrassed. And embarrassed. It goes along with that. Yeah, all of that is there. And, and Matthew says, and he goes to bed thinking that. Because the angel wakes him up out of his sleep so he's gonna to go to bed mad I think that's I think that's remarkable so kind of put him in that in that position okay now let me show one let me show you one more uh, and I, th- I hope I did this uh, okay joseph is venerated as a saint in in uh, catholicism and he's known as joseph the just joseph the just Uh, joseph her husband being a just man now let me ask you how is how is justice gonna work if what he feels impressed to do is break the law of moses Justice would explain that it's about the rule and it's about the law. How does a just man break the law of Moses? It's what? It was what? Maybe he wants to hide it. oh yeah well but then you're still even if he's hiding it he's still breaking the law of Moses the law of Moses says adulterers should be stoned yeah he would and if he was a just man according to justice he should especially if he's angry Okay, now. It wasn't that a fact that Moses just like it is today. You know, oftentimes when young girls get pregnant, they just send them off. And well, now they understood why she went off to Judea. Somehow she got pregnant, and she really went off down there under the ruse of taking care of her relative. She probably got pregnant somewhere. We don't know who in Nazareth did it, but it would make sense, right? Yeah, I am mean, thinking of the Law of Moses, you know, he, uh, setting up his harsh law, he still provided these cities where people could go to, and, uh, and as long as they were in the city there, uh, until the death of the high priest in that city, they were protected. Uh, what's the word for those cities? You know? uh, uh, sanctuary cities, yes. Right, right. That concept uh, was not it's an expansive concept it goes beyond just people who murder and steal and stuff like that. It was a mechanism that God provided to the children of Israel to find a solution. Right, but but justice, especially if you are if you are Pharisaical, um, you're gonna you're gonna push for the harder line on that. You know what? I'm not gonna find my reference here. I'm looking for. Let me just tell you. Um, Isaiah, and I'll probably find it later, uh, Isaiah has this interesting saying. He talks about that one day the Savior will teach those that are going, that they're going to come across people, and he calls them as a bruised reed. Yes. And, and a, uh, a wick that is not doused. And that is the beginning of justice. Now, The bruised reed and the doused wick. Bruised reed. A reed is something that you would, uh, you're going to use it to write with. You can do a number of things with it. You You can whip people with with that reed. But if it becomes bruised, broken, all you can do is burn it. And then the parallel to that, he says, is the wick that is not doused. Now, think about every time that you've, that you've seen these little Jewish land, lamps, right? And, and you pour olive oil in it, and the wick comes out the little spout. So it burns on there, and then the oil is where that, okay, that, that's the little lamp. Now, think about if you've had that sitting in your house, what happens if the wick burns off, but the end of it is still burning? it's gonna fall and it might light the straw and stuff on fire you burn your house down off of a wick so what they would do is that they would put a a thing of water underneath this lamp so that if the if the uh, wick would burn off it would land into the water and it would be doused But that is a that's that's a a, a burned wick there. And what he's saying is, and that's the beginning of justice. So Isaiah's what is what Isaiah is talking about is the fact that uh, justice is to provide mercy to the bruised and the broken. That's the, that is the short version of that. That justice is to provide care and mercy and love to the bruised and the broken. That is a just God. A just God loves the broken. Does that make sense? And in a sense, here's this woman that he loves dearly that shows up pregnant and can't provide him with an explanation. She's, in a sense, she's pretty broken. And this just man despite his anger is trying to figure out how do I take care of her and put her away privately rather than have her stoned publicly that's Joseph the just does that make sense at what point did the Jewish people learn the story of how the Savior would come into the world at this point did they know that story and anticipate maybe me being Mary, I might be the one, or they didn't know it yet. Well, for Mary, uh, she, she says, well, "Where would they know?" Somewhere along the way. Remember when the wise men show up? And we'll talk about them in a second. That they show up and they go and and they go to Herod. Where is the child? And and they're looking. And and so he goes to his wise men, his brain trust in the court. And what do they say? Well, there is a verse in Micah. And Micah talks about that the 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 king will come from Bethlehem. So even for if Mary Miriam thinks that one day there will be a Jewish maiden that will get to somehow be the, the birth of this, I'm in Nazareth. I'm not even in Bethlehem. So it would have been a shock to her and a shock to everybody else up there. It's gonna make sense when she's gotta come back and register her landownings in Judah that maybe some of that comes but even then she's not supposed to tell anybody neither is joseph they're going to keep this a secret even when they show up into town which provides more drama (laughs) here's the here's the here's more drama to this okay so they're going to start up here hard to see that the the nazareth is up here in the corner and they're going to come all the way down below so they're going to start up here. Nazareth just, is just out from the Sea of Galilee. They're going to come down through here. Ultimately this will be like Samaria. But at this moment it's still where the, there's not a lot of people here. They're going to come down here. Probably with family. Probably extended family. Because for one thing he is still not married to her. He's engaged to her. Okay. Uh, the idea... Matthew one, Uh, New Testament. Oh, it's in. Pardon me, it's in Luke two. Ah, this part of the story we know, Luke two. Okay, so see, th- they're going to come down to their original land, and they have to go down to the to their holdings in, in uh, the city of David. Why was it called the city of David? King David. He was born there. Okay, so they're going to come down to the city of Bethlehem. Uh, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. The very earliest uh, records that we have of the book of Luke, the very, very oldest, leave out this phrase right here, his espoused wife. The, more, the farther we get into the Middle Ages, this phrase, his espoused wife, gets added. By some scribes that think, well, that's not very proper, so let's add his espoused wife to the thing. That is a later edition. It was not one of the earliest records of the book of Luke. They're still engaged. They're not married. They are under that engagement process. But they're going to tra- He's going to travel with this, with this soon-to-be wife of his. He hasn't known her yet. They're not formally married. They're coming down into Bethlehem. They're going to travel with a group, kind of caravan, kind of thing. Okay, we have. The, we, we like this image of, the, of those two on a donkey, heading down there. That's it's a fun image. Um, to the to that uh, Justin in the uh, second century added this fun little novel about them coming down and making it as far as a cave, and she's pregnant that night, and she's giving birth. They're not completely to Bethlehem, and he finds a cave, and he puts her in the cave, and then he runs into Bethlehem to find a midwife. By the time he gets back for the midwife, there's a woman by the name of Salome, and she's there, and she's already helped Mary give birth, and you know, but she's got a leprous hand, and you know she's taking care of it uh, the birth and and suddenly in the process of all this her leprous hand is healed it's great writing (laughs) it's wonderful writing in the second century by jerome okay not even accurate but they're traveling down here together so this part his espoused wife is is uh added uh to that now Now, where do they stay? Uh, The book of of Luke says, as the days were accomplished, that she was going to give birth. Part of our our narrative has been that, and even a couple of church films have suggested, she she comes into town in labor. She's already in labor. That's not what Luke is saying. Luke is saying um, that... Verse 6, while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. So they make it down there and she's not quite there yet, but somewhere in that few days while she's there, now she's she's going to give birth. Okay, Where do they stay? Well, this is kind of an important thing. Let's go back to what we know. Where is their original land holdings? In Judea. Where are they living? In Nazareth. They're coming back into their ancestral home. Elizabeth has family, or uh, Mary has family there, like Elizabeth. Joseph has family there. This is their original, their, their families here. Their, their holdings are there. Where are they going to stay in Bethlehem, with family. They're going to stay with family. That's where they're going to. That's where they're going to stay. Okay. Now, given that we don't that we know that um, this is going to be somewhere around 4 B.C. Uh, and and uh, BYU scholars are suggesting that the birth is going to happen somewhere between December and May. We don't know exactly when. Somewhere in that stretch. We don't know if there was a Passover or uh, Hanukkah or something going on at that time. It wouldn't be Hanukkah. That's later. Um, but we don't know. Somebody tell me. Traditionally in the church, when do we assume that Jesus was born? April 6th. April 6th 18, <laughs> right. And we know it why? Uh because we go to section 20 of the Doctrine and Covenants, right? The rise of the church being... The, uh, one of the things that came out of the Joseph Smith papers was our ability to, to look at these original revelations and that verse sitting on top saying the rise of the church, April 6th, uh, being, you know, 1830 years since... It, that was not part of the original revelation. That was added by John Whitmer as a as a heading on top of section twenty. Oh, okay. Could they have? Could they? Could they have been born on April sixth? Yeah, it's possible. And in, actu- in all actuality, believe it or not, most of the most of the stuff that I'm reading puts it more in December. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? So Christendom got it right. They might have got this one right. Yeah, we don't know. It could have been as late as May. But I would say about half the scholars I'm reading, and those guys researching it really heavily, including some of the the ones that have just come out, uh, some really great translations out of BYU, suggest December wouldn't be a bad guess. But we don't know. Now, so, we don't know whether there was, we've tended to say, well, they come in and it's a Passover and every, the house is, the place is full and there's no room for them anywhere. Well, seven, she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in a swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. The word "in" is a tip-off because it is the same word that is used, and I actually I, I cross-referenced it in Luke 22. Uh, this is when they're looking a place to do the Passover in the last week of his life. You shall say unto the goodman of the house, the master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber? In it's the same word. Where's the guest chamber where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? The word "in" means guest room. It means guest room. It's guest chamber. If you're going to stay with a family, where are you going to stay? In the, in the guest room. Okay. So let me let me give you two versions of the. Uh, So there's first century Bethlehem. This is this is where they're coming. Uh, again, walled city. There's two possibilities on here. I've got a single story and a double story uh, house. This is the single story. Most likely, uh, they would have. The, the family living room is here. There's a there's an opening here where you can actually look in and see it. Uh, so the family lives right in here. Now, if you got animals out here that are feeding during the day, you really don't want to leave your animals out at night. Somebody may steal them. Or if it's a cold night, you want them to come in and be warm. So what they would do is they would lead these animals around here. And the animal stalls would sit on the back of the house. And then between the animal stalls and the family room are the mangers. And the mangers would be the troughs uh, where you put the feeding kind of thing. Whether it's sheep or whether it's cattle, you're going to put the, you're going to put the, the hay and stuff like that in the mangers. Okay? Now, a uh, second st- a two-story house at that point looked like this, okay? If, if you've got enough money, you build a second story. You put, the, you put the animals on the first floor rather than at the back, and so the mangers are going to sit out here. And then you're going to be up here, and so this would be, this is the inn back here. That's the guest chamber on the back end of there, Okay? So there's a pretty good chance, either way, that um, my guess is if, if this is full up here and you're going and, and Mary is going to give birth to, the, to this baby in this area at that point, let's assume it was this one. What's going to happen is, is that she's going into birth, you're going to go out, you're going to get the midwives, you're going to bring the midwives in, you're going to kick all the men folk out, because <laughs> she's having birth in the middle of the living room thing. So they're there, and, and so this baby would be surrounded by loving women, taking care of every need of Mary and of the baby and they're in loving and taking care of and making sure that everything is okay. They're there, okay? And then they do a very common thing when the baby is born. They're going to do what they do with every other baby in, in uh, Bethlehem. You're going to? Swaddle. Wrap swaddle it up. Okay, I remember when uh, with one of our uh, grandkids, we, uh, we the the nurse came in and she's and she's explaining to Katie how this works, and she says, okay, let me take this baby and takes the blanket and tightly wraps the baby. <laughs> like a little mummy and she's basically going see you can do this and this and this and the baby doesn't care because the baby is nice, tightly wrapped and and because it it feels very secure and safe it's used to being in the womb okay that's wrapped in swaddling clothes okay now if but we're here we're visit, we're in somebody else's house where are you gonna put the baby yeah let's put it in the manger we can actually carve that out and make a nice crib out of the feeding stall. Soft hay, place the baby in there. Um, if they're here, I would think that if the, if, if the birth takes place kind of in here or here, uh, let's put the baby in, in there and I would imagine that mom would be sleeping very close so that uh, so she can feed the baby through the whole thing. Okay? Questions so far? A little different. Okay um, but but you get this entrance right here, and I think that's kind of an important deal. Um, why? Because that we know of Mary and Joseph are here, but they're still not explaining her pregnancy still. <laughs> so, Okay, just trust us, this is okay, it's good stuff. They might have confided to family, but we don't know. You kind of get an intimation that probably they didn't. They just said, trust us. So, where's the message going to first then be told? Outside of Mary and Joseph. The, shepherd. the shepherds. Ah, yes. The shepherds. So here's the, here's the shepherds' fields. Uh, it's kind of a hard scrabble kind of thing it isn't like wonderful fields uh, we have interesting uh, note here is that if this is if this is more March April ish uh, they're probably lambing and the adults are out kind of keeping watch uh, and keeping the watches of the night and watching over them um, however uh, in reading my uh, pioneer grandfather's journal, Ar- Arza Hinckley, he talks about the fact that in, uh, when they hear the gospel in Upper Canada in 1836, that he said his, his grandfather, he went to live with his grandfather after his father died. He goes to live with his grandfather and his job is to watch the sheep at night. So what Arza would do is he, he actually, he, he was learning how to read and he, and he would take the Book of Mormon with him that they had just gotten from John E. Page and he would go and he would watch the sheep at night and he would read the Book of Mormon. He says he would just cry. He had a real tender heart. But that was the job of kids. If you're not lambing, your job is to watch the sheep and the adults who are going to do all kinds of things during the day will go back and sleep and it's the job of the kids to watch the sheep at night. Now, what happens if, if this birth did take place in December or January? Yeah, it would be pretty cold. Who'd be watching the sheep? Good chance, a lot of kids. Good chance. Now, by the way, this particular flock, what, what flock is this? It's five miles outside of Jerusalem. It's close by. People said, well, they're going to run these guys off to the high meadows and stuff like that. No, this is a particular flock. It's in the valley of what's called Migdal Eder. There's a, there's a tower there. And Micah talks about the flock at Migdal Eder. And this particular flock is? The Levitical sacrificial lamb. These are the sacrificial lambs. These are the temple flock. Who would be watching the temple flock? The Lev- probably the levites i mean that's a that's a guess on my part but i would think that that would fall to the tribe of levi to take care of these lambs so that they can certify who are the unblemished when it comes time for things like uh, yom kippur and stuff like that the De- feast of atonement that you would make sure you had the right lambs to go for the sacrifices i think this is the temple flock and i think these are levitical uh families Okay, special families that would be in charge of the temple. So where's the Savior going to come? Where's the announcement going to come? To the, the temple priests kind of thing. I think that's really appropriate. But I also think it's fascinating to me, I think about it, if this is, if this is a December, January kind of thing, these could be kids. These could be kids. So, it says that they're going to, uh, Luke says that they're going to then hear the, hear the words. It says they're going to make haste. Let us hurry with haste. Uh, the, word, the Greek word on that is actually with excitement and, and anxiety. We've got to go now. The, 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 uh, the Savior is being born, but he's showing himself to Who? Who's the first witnesses other than mom and dad? Shepherds. <laughs> so the shepherd, uh, the 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 lamb to be slaughtered is gonna be first witness to shepherds. There is lowly shepherds. I just think the symbolism on that is just magnificent. It just is. Okay? So think about these shepherds that now get the message, and he's and he's here, and he was born. Down the hill, down there, somewhere in Bethlehem. So picture, if you will, that night's journey. (laughs) Okay, what was the sign again? The that was the wise man. What was the sign to the shepherds? An angel. the, the, the angel's saying. The angel's saying, go into Bethlehem and find the... And this is the sign. You will know because he's wrapped in swaddling clothes. Duh. Everybody's wrapped in swaddling clothes. But he's doing what? Lying in a manger. There's a baby in a manger. We've got to find the baby in the feeding trough. <laughs> Not every baby in Bethlehem would be in the feeding trough. Now, With all due respect to the song, no crying he makes, (laughs) there's a good chance this baby's crying. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe crying out. I don't know. But somewhere, if you get, this, you get this picture in mind, you know, I have a picture, for instance, of Nephi, uh, or when he's coming back in to, to get Laban, you know, and he's creeping through Jerusalem in the middle of the night so that the people of Laban don't get him, you know, and then he finds Laban laying there uh, drunk, okay? I, I get the same feeling with the shepherds. <laughs> The shepherds are like creeping through Bethlehem and what are they doing? Well, I think they're looking in the doors. You see a baby in there? Nope. Is there a baby in there? Nope. Oh, okay. They're just kind of going from house to house. Look, no, hey, (laughs) there's a baby in there. Where's the baby? In the feeding trough, in the manger. can you imagine them then going um, excuse us (laughs) this is going to sound really weird (laughs) but we just had an angel scare the crud out of us (laughs) and he said that there was going to be, yes this is him this is him here he is so you just get this worshipful sense of then the shepherds being able to come in and worship that night and, and now to Mary and Joseph here, the first witnesses outside themselves to confirm that the angel has spoken to these humble shepherds that had come in and say, this is what he said, glory to God on highest. This is the good news and we're here. What a beautiful experience that must have been and confirmation for Joseph and, and I'm also thinking, my, my head goes to the rest of the family in the house. He's who? <laughs> the shepherds, what? The shepherds are saying, yeah. Is that really true? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> they said they saw an angel. So did we. <laughs> <laughs> May have been the same angel. We don't, wow. Amazing thing. So so when the shepherds are going to go out afterwards, after they've had this worshipful experience, and they're going to talk to the people, it says, it does. The word says they want. They wondered. The people wondered at the words of the shepherd. Now the the word is astonished. They were amazed. There the, was an amazing thing that these shepherds were told. Talk- the this, the uh, The Messiah has been born. That doesn't make any sense with what we think, but there's the Messiah. Okay. Yeah. A parallelism that you've taught us this year is Joseph likewise felt such relief when the angel told him. He could then allow the witnesses to to see the plates and it was funny. It's off his shoulders. It's just not me. And similarly the you know. Well, I also think too, for, for Joseph there would be a little bit of presumptuous here. Who was Joseph probably named after oh. that? who was the Joseph in Israelite history? Joseph Joseph sold into into Egypt. And what kind of things was Joseph known for? His visions. You know, so it's a little presumptuous to go, I'm like Joseph, I'm also having visions. It's kind of cool. Okay? Alright. Last thing. um, I don't know that I put another thing on here. Um, Last thing. um, The wise man. Um, we know, when it talks about that they came and found the child in the house they're probably finding the child in the house <laughs> uh, who, were the, who were the kings we just don't know uh, but I, I do think it's interesting that one of those possibilities are one of the traditions is that, that these were actually the kings actually coming from Petra in uh, In Jordan, uh, because they they looked to the east they they were astronomers and uh, they were socially, closely associated with that and the, and Herod had married uh, Herod's son married the daughter of the uh, Petran king of the Nabataeans so all right um, is that plenty? So, so, for me, the, the, the beautiful image that, that I look at when I think about the uh, nativity scene, uh, we tend to put it either in a cave or in a stall or something like that. I think it's a beautiful image. I really love the idea of him being in a very common house surrounded by the shepherds that have come to worship, by, surrounded by loving family that could rejoice in the fact that it's, it's back to families, it's back to, to caring in a very humble house. So, Final comments on that? I just think there's one day one day I look forward to in the millennium to running through the millennial movies (laughs) and there's some that we want to see wow that Red Sea thing would be really cool I want to see that one Uh, this is one of those that I think would be a maybe on a kind of the uh, celestial Netflix (laughs) top played movie let's see the birth let's see exactly what that looked like that little night in, in Bethlehem yeah the shepherds and the kings the great faith that they have because you know they just follow the star and come to the manger. Yeah, yeah those people that would either be following the star or following the direction of the angel to go and find in this place of humble places. So you come back to this idea finally of the Savior saying he would be born in lowly circumstances, the condescension below all things, but the people that would bear witness to him would be both kings and it would be common both humans and animals, you know, all kind of coming together in this spot. So let's go up and see yeah absolutely what a wonderful semester uh, I'm looking forward to so so what we're looking for uh, let's uh, whoever's gonna say the closing prayer let's bless the the fantastic stuff yeah in the current issue of Smithsonian magazine there's an article on ancient scriptures and in it it says that Christ was born. 6 B.C. Yeah, 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 this birth, somewhere between 4 and 6 B.C., it has to be because we know for sure that Herod died in 4 B.C. And so, Jesus had to be born somewhere ahead of Herod. We know that, that date for sure. Uh, so, that's why I say there's a number of things. Because what we're going to talk about uh, into this next semester. We're going to finish off church history. We're in January, we'll finally get to Nauvoo. Uh, we're going to end up talking about the martyrdom. And we're going to talk about getting the saints to Salt Lake. At that point, then, we're going to switch to uh, uh, first century uh, Palestine. And we're going to talk about where some of the records came from. That's one of the first couple of classes. Where we got the Bible from and what sources we're drawing from. And, and who we thought wrote Luke and Matthew and stuff like that is not necessarily who you think did it. But it gives you some idea where they might have been wrong on some things like, like the dates. When do we start back up? Uh, so the, the second week of January? That would be the 14th. The 14th. On Monday the 14th. Yep. Um, but again, thank you for a wonderful semester. I just think this I love I love church history and I love these kind of things and to me they all kind of come together. And, um enjoy the buffet and I leave that this with you in Jesus name, amen. So very grateful. to have had